Let's pray and ask God to lead our time together. Father, thank you for this opportunity to spend some time together in your word, reflecting on your purposes in how your children of the past responded to life, difficulties, and you. May we learn from today some things that we might apply in our lives. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So this week, I just pulled some things together, some things I've been learning, listening, and it ties in with what Ken taught us on James with respect to trials. And I've been focusing on why trials? And what can we learn from trials? And what is God's purpose for trials? And um, I had to bring in my favorite character of the Old Testament, and that's Joseph, because I've learned so much from him and what God did in his life. So we're going to start with that. And uh, the other thing Doug mentioned when he asked me to step in for Ken, since Ken's going to be gone, was gone today, is that it is daylight saving time, so hardly anybody would probably show up. <laughs> anyway, so thank you for showing up. Anyway, all right. So... Joseph, what was his lot in life? Well, he had a great grandfather who had a promise. What, were, what did God promise his great grandfather? Three things, at least. That all the nations would be blessed through his posterity. Right? That he, God would make him great. I think God did both of those. <laughs> And he'd also bless him. And he also would give him the land. Some property, okay? What did Joseph have? All he had was a family and a promise that he probably heard from his great-grandfather, if not from his grandfather and his... Uh... So anyway, that's what he had going for him. That I put that on the list too. I put Uncle Esau in there. And the reason I put Uncle Esau is I could heard a message once that talked about what did what was Esau known for? He's a hairy guy. Yeah, what else? <laughs> he, he was hungry. He was hungry. He was desperate. He's also a grudge holder, okay? But many years passed, and even Jacob didn't forget Esau. And so he was worried. When God told him to go back to the land, he was worried that he'd have to run into Esau. And then when he heard that Esau was coming, woo, he was really scared. And he had all this conniving and working to try to get around that. But what was interesting about that is Joseph was probably a little boy at the time that they were going back to the land. And the um, preacher I heard this comment from was, what did he see in Uncle Esau when Uncle Esau and his father finally met? What did Esau, how did Esau respond to Jacob? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. He embraced him. He accepted him. And so 
I think, I just think that's kind of cool that maybe, you never know, you can speculate, maybe that had an in, influence on Joseph's thinking. You never know. But, like we said, he had a coat. He had a bunch of dreams. He had a bunch of brothers. And those didn't mix well. Those didn't mix well. And as a result, his brothers wanted to get rid of him. And so he, they sold him into slavery. Not only was he in slavery, but he ended up in prison. But then he got a meeting with Pharaoh and um, some more of his story. But one of the things I think is valuable is even though he didn't have the word of God, he practiced faith. Because it shows up. We don't ha he didn't have a Bible, and we don't know what was going through his thinking, but we do see what happened in his life. He, we, saw, we see what he developed, or what God developed in him, based on the promises of God that was given to his great-grandfather. He demonstrated faith, patience, humility, and became a servant. Okay, how did he how how did he serve Potiphar? What kind of grade would you give him? What? He, he managed his finances and household. He gave it all. Every few verses in that story, it reminds us God was with Joseph to the point that his boss recognized him. And so, what was his boss' response? Put him in charge of everything, because if God is blessing him and taking care of him and blessing everything he touches, I want all my stuff to be blessed. So that's what he did. That's what he did. And that's where I see Joseph becoming a humble servant, doing what was in front of him. He was there unjustly, but he did what was in front of him, and God blessed that. He also had the right motives. He didn't plan to advance his own person and uh, situation. God just blessed him with each thing, and he had everything in line for a purpose. And we'll see that purpose coming up at the end of Genesis. Um, and we also see that in what names he gave to his sons. Oh, okay, I forgot. Okay, not only did Potiphar notice his lifestyle and his connection with God. The prison warden also noticed it. And the prison warden put him in charge to take care of things. Because again, he demonstrated being a humble servant and that got their attention. And um, he had some buddies in prison that he helped out and demonstrated God working through him because Joseph kept giving the credit for figuring out dreams to God. And he, his buddies, um, one of them got restored to his position with Pharaoh, but he kind of forgot about Joseph. Two years later, God gave Pharaoh a dream and the cupbearer, oh, 
dreams? You can't find anybody to interpret your dreams? Well, I know this guy that I met in prison. Oh, I don't want to emphasize the fact you put me in prison because you got mad at me, but there's this guy, Joseph, in prison that can do dreams. And so what did he do? He's, Pharaoh says, bring him. Let's find out what he has to say. And again, what does jo Joseph do? He says, I can't give you the answer to dream, but I know somebody who can. God can. And he will. He has a purpose. And so he gives credit to God, and God gives him the dream interpretation, and he tells Pharaoh. He even tells Pharaoh, not only will there be a time of plenty for seven years, a time of famine for seven years, but there also it might be a good idea to find somebody to put in charge of the whole thing up early so that you have all the resources and things in place to manage the difficulty that's going to come. And so, and that's where Pharaoh thinks, I think I found a guy and put Joseph in charge. Again, there's an example where there's three people that notice the character of Joseph. One was, in a positive way, one was Potiphar, one was a prison warden, and one was Pharaoh himself. To me, that it demonstrates the character of Joseph that God had developed over the years. So what was God doing with the trials, the difficulties, the family problems? I think he was changing Joseph's heart. If you go back to when he was a teenager, he was kind of the smart alecky younger brother. And, he, and because he'd been favored by Jacob, uh, he flaunted that. Maybe not purposely, but you know, he, he told him about his dreams, he had the coat, he had the whole thing. And I think God allowed him to go through those different trials um, leading up to his success with, with Pharaoh because God was shaping his heart and changing his character. I think that Joseph had a genetic um, flaw that came from his dad. It's called being naive. Okay? I don't see it as much as flaunting. I see it. He didn't know any better. An example is, okay, they both, both Jacob and Joseph knew that his, their brothers weren't very happy. Why? Because he kept tattling on them when he went to see them. When he, he brought back a report to dad that they weren't doing too good. You know, that plus the coat. And so what does Jacob do? Oh, I haven't seen the brothers lately. Why don't you go out and check up on them? Okay? Go into the bee's nest and, and come back and tell me what... Naive. That's what I see it as. Because he sends them by himself. And what does he send them with? His coat. Hello? Neon light. I'm the favored one. Anyway, so that's just a... Sorry for that little diversion. But that's... that's I, he's learning he has to learn, and God takes him through these things, okay? And then, um, so, um, he gets down there, um, and then uh, Pharaoh provides him a wife, and um, he has two sons, and he names his sons 
something that reflects what he had been learning for all those years. So let's look at that. And I wrote it down. Um, oh, there it is. Um, Genesis 41. Now, I am looking at the clock. I did reset it. I set it a little fast. And um, we'll go as far as we can. And the next time somebody needs a sub, I might come back and finish. But Genesis 41, verses 50 through 52. Uh, do we have someone that would like to read that for us? Genesis 41, 50. Now before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of... On? Yeah, I, my Bible did something silly for me. Um, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore him, bore him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my and all my father's household. He named the second one Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. I think God developed in him an attitude of gratefulness. He saw a situation and he saw God's provision. He saw God working in his life and with his ability to serve and to a certain extent I think he was content, but we'll look at that some more in a minute. Now, um, we continue with the story, and um, his brothers end up coming down to get something to eat, and he has a little game with them, trying to teach them some things, you know, see what was in their heart, what was their motives. Um, and then his whole family came down, and his dad came down. And what did Joseph do for his family? Took care of them. Met all their needs. Met all their needs. And um, all that time, Joseph took care of him. And we're going to look at something in um, Genesis 50, verse... 19 and 20. I love this part of the story because it shows something that was going on in the hearts of his brothers. Jacob dies. Um, let's see, how old was he when he died? Um, I circled it here someplace. Um, oh, it's in here. Okay. Anyway, um, Let's see. 110. 110 for Jacob or Joseph? Joseph. Okay. Um, I was looking for 100 in, I was looking for what um, Jake, how, how old Jacob was, but I didn't write it down. My PowerPoint wasn't was working. Hmm? He was in his old age. Yeah, he was in his old age. Yes. Very old. Um, but he met Pharaoh. It says he was 130 years old when he met Pharaoh. Um, so it's at least, we'll just give a round number for 20 years, maybe. 20 years? 15? Something like that. But the point I'm trying to make is all that time, Joseph took care of his family and his brothers, and look how they responded. 
they responded in fear in verse um, 19. Um, oh, no, I got to back up a little bit. Um, his brothers in verse 15 come up with a story. And that is, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph should bear a grudge against us and pay us back in full for all the wrong that we had did to him? So they sent a message to Joseph. Your father charged us before he died, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers in their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, of your father. And Joseph, how did Joseph respond? He wept. What more could he have done to show that he had already forgiven them? I don't know. And the sad thing part of this story is, look how many years his brothers carried the burden of guilt. They didn't accept Joseph's forgiveness. They didn't accept God's forgiveness. And so it broke his heart. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to him, This is the purpose statement I want to focus in on. Um, Do not be afraid, for, for am I in the place of God? Am I in charge? No, I'm just the Lord's servant. I'm just doing what God has taught me what to do and how to look for his guidance in, in the process. And as far as you, this is key. Verse 20. What you meant evil against me, God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result in the saving of many lives. Joseph saw something he had learned and he summarized for them. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Now, does anybody think, can any, does that remind, that principle remind anybody of a verse in the New Testament? Romans 8, 28. Thank you very much. <laughs> winna, winna, winna. <clears throat> For we know. Joseph learned that in the journey God gave him. We know that all things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good. God can work them together for good. Um, for we know all things work together for good to them that love God and them who are called according to his purpose. God is in, in, the, in the business of redeeming sinful people. And he is able to take not good stuff and turn it for good for his glory for our good in his glory. So that's, those are the lessons that we learn from um, Joseph's life on how he dealt with trials, okay? And then um, we're going to look at verses um, 24 and 25. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely take care of you. Why can he say that? God took care of him. And he took care of his, his father's family as well. 
for all these years and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised on oath to who? To Abraham, his great grandpa, to Isaac, his grandpa, and to Jacob, his dad. That's why I believe he had in his mind an understanding of the promises given to his family. And therefore, he, of all his brothers, said, I am so convinced that's going to happen, I want you to promise to take me back and bury me in the promised land. We don't have any record of any of the other brothers having that kind of faith. To say, hey, box me up and, take, and set me aside until God decides to take you back. And that was his promise. He was going to get him to the land. And that's the other thing that is so encouraging from the life of Joseph. He had the future in mind to encourage him for the present and to guide the choices he made during the present. So, Joseph. There's my buddy, Joseph. And the, I guess the other reason I like Joseph so much is he started this journey of faith, trying to work out things. I think it started back when he was little. But even when he was a teenager, God was teaching him. And since God has given me the opportunity to work with a few teenagers, I take that as hope. And I take the life of Joseph as a testimony that I can share with teenagers to encourage them. That they can get through the difficulties. And it doesn't always have to... There are detours and difficulties that come up. But God wants to use those to teach us faith, patience, humility, gratitude, and contentment. And that's what he wants to do with us. The verses Ken taught us in, from um, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Consider it all joy when you face various trials. But we have to know something to be able to consider it all joy when we face trials. Not that the trials are fun. Not that trials are in themselves easy to deal with. We have to know something. And Paul, or not Paul, but James says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, <coughs> produces faith, produces patience, <coughs> enduring faith. That's what God's trying to develop. And that's what he developed in Joseph, <coughs> enduring faith. Now, this second character, we've got a few minutes, we'll go through we want to look at is Moses in the Exodus. Moses was a person that had to learn what God had in mind. Was Moses a willing volunteer at first? Nope. He said, send somebody else. I can't speak. I don't know what to say. And I love what God says. What did God tell Moses about him speaking? He asked him a question. Moses, who made your mouth? Moses, who made your brain? Who made you, Moses? And knows everything about you. And still wants to use you. That gives me hope. 
God's the one who made me. And if he gives me an assignment, like teaching this Sunday school class, I can just get up here and let God use it. Use the things that he's taught me to share with you, to be encouragement that there's joy. Not in the trials, there's joys in Jesus knowing that he's going to get me through the trials. And we have testimonies throughout the Bible. Paul's another one we're going to look at. But let's look at the Exodus. Um, Moses learned a lot. And Moses was given a lot of special experiences that no one else had gotten. And that's speaking face to face with God. And he was known as the friend of God. And he was also known as the meekest, mildest, gentlest person on the ever. So, anyway. But let's go through some things that... Uh, let's look at some trials and difficulties that the children of Israel went through. The first one I put on there is ten plagues. Why ten plagues? Because there were nine. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> one of the reasons is that's what... It's wonderful that God tells... It's wonderful that God tells us his purpose. And he told Moses... He was going to, Moses knew that there was going to be trouble because God told him. And he told him, the reason I'm going to take you through 10 plagues, I, I don't think he said 10, but I'm, the reason I'm going to do all this is so that you might know that I am God. That the children of Israel would know that I am God. That Pharaoh, well, okay, I'll pick on the Egyptians first. The Egyptians might know that you, that the Lord Jehovah is God. That Pharaoh might know, because the reason I have to put the Egyptians first, because um, Pharaoh's advisors said, don't you see what's happening to our country? It's being destroyed. Let these people go. So that's why I have to put the Egyptians first. And then Pharaoh finally got the picture. And then that the whole world might know. God has a purpose in the difficulties. He wants us to go through the difficulties that the world might know. What did he do for Joseph? People found out about Joseph's God. What did he do? What did he want to do with the Exodus? Is let people know. Um, and in the New Testament, Peter says, in 1 Peter 3.15, I think, um, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to give an answer to everyone that asketh you a reason for the hope that is within you. And do this with meekness and fear. In order for someone to ask you about your hope, where does that ha hope have to be? It has to be visible. It has to be evident. And that's why I love the story of Joseph, because his hope in his God was evident to his bosses. And even to Pharaoh, because Pharaoh says, who else can we find that has a connection with God? Nobody. So he put him in charge. 
And that's what um, God wants to do with trials is develop our hope. Because the world doesn't have much hope today. But if they see someone that is going through life and doing what they can and <coughs> doing what they can and in the power of the Lord, then God's going to bless. In the way, the big thing that God's going to bless is in their attitude. He may not change or fix all their problems, but he's going to change their attitude. And so that is what shows up. Hope. Okay. Um, all right, we've got to hurry. I'll introduce the next part of the lesson if we ever get to it someday in the future. But yeah. Anyway, so 10 plagues. They finally get through the 10 plagues and Pharaoh tells them to leave. What do they end up leaving with? A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. And God wanted them to remember that event. So he established the Passover to be a memorial every year of God's deliverance. Okay? So, they leave Egypt. Ten plagues. God showed his power in getting them out of Egypt. What did they face first thing once they left town? The Red Sea. Where's the food? Well, yeah, we're getting there. but um, The Red Sea was the first thing. Now, since we're all mature, grown-up Christians, how should they have responded to the Red Sea? Now, again, they're, they're young in their faith, but how, would we res how should we respond to a Red Sea? Amen. And look forward to what his promise is. For them, his promise was get them to the promised land. His name was at stake. And yet they saw the Red Sea as <sighs> too hard. And so what God wants to do is take those hard things and teach us how to respond in faith. If God's got me to this point, he's going to get me to the next point. And if he's got a purpose for me to be a testimony to the world of hope, then how I should respond with the Red Sea experiences is with hope. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to know what's, how he's going to do it. All I need to know is my God is my God and I can trust him. Okay? And so, all right, Red Sea. God ends up helping Moses calm the fears of the Sons of Israel, by part in the Red Sea. And they also got afraid of this army that was chasing them. But God got them across the Red Sea, got their enemy in the middle of the sea, and then what? Yep. God eliminated their enemy. So there was the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea, them getting across and God taking care of their enemy. Even before that, when they were being chased, God put himself between the enemy Very good. and the people. Yep. In the cloud. God protected. Now, the children of Israel had the had an evidence of God's presence all the time. What was it? What were they? What two things? The cloud of the Yep. 
they could visually see God's reminder, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. I've got a plan and purpose. I want to take you to the promised land. So there was the Red Sea. Mount Sinai, they got kind of, uh, God gave them the Ten Commandments. They got kind of afraid of all the special effects. <laughs> all the fire and the smoke and the lightning and all that kind of stuff. They got kind of afraid in the voice of God. And so they said, Moses, you go talk to God. <laughs> We're kind of afraid. But anyway, that's another story. Um, but the Ten Commandments, and then God had a, an assignment for Moses. If you take the Torah, or if you just take the law, that's a lot of stuff. I've been reading through um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and my Bible reading got up to Deuteronomy. But there's a lot of things for Moses to learn. He had to work through the um, plans of the uh, tabernacle and all the other drawings that God showed him of what he wanted him to build. But all that, he was gone. How many days up on the mountain? 40 days. He was gone. That sounds like a trial. How did the son of, sons of Israel respond? They got worried and made their own God. Okay. Again, not that we're any different, but we need to learn from this. And that's why God tells us he puts these things in there. Okay. Um, I'm going to use a different color just because I got some. Ten plagues, Red Sea, and God giving his commandments. What, ever, what other God that they even had exposure to in the land of Egypt interacted with them like that? And yet, there was a golden calf. Notice another thing of losing perspective. Where did they want to go once they got the golden calf? They wanted to go back. They were comfortable. They knew slavery. And then they could have all their little um, comfort foods. But they lost track of the promise. That God, why did God do all this? Why was he doing all this? To get them prepared to go to the promised land. And so he taught them a whole bunch. Um, they had the golden calf. And then we'll stop with this one because I want to do some summary stuff. Um, Kadesh Barnea. Remember what happened there? They sent the spies in. And um, it's too, scary. too scary. There's giants in the land who are like grasshoppers in their sight. What did their big God show them in their past? He could wipe out an entire army just like that. <clears throat> so again, what do I want to learn from that is to remember what God has done for me. He's taken care of me in the past. He can take care of me in the future. So when I run up against a different... And whose assignment was going into the land? <coughs> that was God's assignment. And God's name was at sake. And so I think I can trust him when he gives me an assignment. Even if I don't know what I'm doing, I can say, Lord, help me. This is your assignment. I'm scared, but 
I know that you can help me. So um, we know about the 10 spies that came back and said it too hard. We also know about the two that came back and said, let's go. God's given to us. Let's go. We can do this. And so there is always, quote, demonstrated in God's children who are willing to keep connected with him and look at his promises, looking at their circumstances in the light of his promises. And that's another thing we get to do. Okay? Now, we're going to summarize, and we'll have to leave that part of the board for next time, because um, Paul has an, an, a, some amazing things for us to learn about trials. Um, but let's look at Deuteronomy 8, and we'll finish with that. Um, Deuteronomy 8. Joseph, Joseph, Moses is reviewing for the children of Israel God's purpose. Why did God go through all this Exodus stuff? Why did he take them through all those lessons? So we're going to start with verse 1. Moses says, All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do. For a purpose that you might you may live and multiply, go in and possess possess the land which the Lord sworn to give to your forefathers, and you shall remember all the way which the Lord has led you in the wilderness these forty years. God led him through the wilderness for a purpose. God led him through the. And what the purpose was, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me? You're thirsty? Are you going to trust me? You want some food? Are you going to trust me? You're facing an enemy? Are you going to trust me? Those are the lessons. And notice... They have a choice. We have a choice. Are we going to focus on God and what He can do, or are we going to focus on ourselves and our limitations and say it's too hard? God wanted to humble them. What does pride do? Pride gets this in the way. The letter I. Independence. I can do this. That's what pride is. Pride focuses on what we can do, or another way pride shows up is look how much of a mess I'm in. So there is a negative pride, or a what I don't, I can't think of the word, but it's I'm a mess. I'm too much of a mess for God to deliver or use, or whatever. But it's all about focus. The focus, is it on me, or is it on the God of the universe? So, anyway, all right. Back to, we've got to finish. Um, okay. <coughs> all right. Testing you, that I, and he humbled you, and let you be hungry, and fed you manna, which you did not know. I always like that, because manna means 
What is it? Um, nor did your fathers know that he, you, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's word is for us to benefit, learn from, and apply. And that's more important than our food. Now, we need food, and God will provide that as well, but we have to remember the spiritual um, factor, the miracle factor, the God factor, when we face life and its needs and difficulties that come around. Because God's going to use those difficulties to teach us to make us humble. Um, and he, he, he did a real little review. Your clothing did not wear out on you. How many years were they in the wilderness? 40 years they had the same outfit. And it looked great. You know? Um, your clothes didn't wear out on you. Nor did your feet swell. For all that walking... You could you could have run a marathon in your, the condition God provided for you. Your feet didn't swell. You didn't get. You may have been tired of the journey, but physically God provided for you. Um, verse five. Thus you are to know in your heart the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. God wanted to know there's purpose in the pain. There's purpose in the lessons. There's purpose in the difficulties. There's purpose in the trials. And he did this for the children of Israel. And the one generation that said, no, it's too hard to go in the land, they had to die in the wilderness. And what's so interesting about that, and we'll quit with this, what did the, that first generation accuse God Moses and Aaron doing. What was the purpose that they, they accused him of, of bringing them out in the wilderness and doing all this? What, was, what did they accuse God of doing? Pardon? To bring them out there to die. Yes. Who else to die? They're little kids. And what does God do? God protects all of them and allows those little kids to go to the land. <coughs> So again, they were short-sighted. Again, we got to be careful because we often get in the short-sighted. We need glasses for that sometimes. But the point is, we need to keep our focus on God. Because that's what they missed out on. And as a result, did God take care of them in those 40 years of wandering? Yes. God took care of them. So it's not like he'll... If they fail, they, he beats them over the head and they're done with them. I mean, uh, <laughs> this is a good eye, all right. Um, Moses. What did Moses do when God was fed up with the rebellion of the children of Israel? He pleaded for their case. What did God tell Moses that he was thinking about? <laughs> he knew all along, but he's again working with Moses to teach him. He says, I'll wipe them all out and I'll start a new nation with you. And what did Moses say? Lord, what is the world going to say? That you weren't able to take these people into the promised land? Again, testimony, hope, 
Moses learned that to the point that he could remind God of that. That's the kind of relationship that Moses had with God. And God blessed him for that. Because he learned, he passed the test to have that perspective. So, lots from the Old Testament to learn about trials and how to respond. Now, next time, whenever that will be, we'll look at what Paul has to say in some practical things we can do to develop that attitude of, we're gonna, it's gonna eventually end up in, again, that's a little fast, so we're okay. Um, <laughs> I did it on purpose. Um, we're gonna look at Philippians 4. Some of the things that Paul says is rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. How do I do that? When I'm facing trials. Remember. <laughs> and who are you gonna rejoice about? What he's done, what Jesus has done, okay? Um, and be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. What do I have to be thankful for? I've got a God that has taken care of me in the past. He can do it in the future. So we're going to talk about ways to implement that. And he also says is, um, whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, report. What's he want us to do with those things? Remember them, think on them. So we're going to go through some practical ways of implementing um, those in developing a, um, a, a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. And, um, and Paul says there, he talks about he's learned the secret of contentment. And the one message I heard talked about gratitude is the gateway to contentment. If we want to be satisfied with life and things going on, that's where we're at. But anyway, that, we'll have to save that for another day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us. And help us to remember the example of Joseph, the example of Moses, and, and Joshua, and Caleb, and... Let us remember the example of Jesus who humbled himself even to the point of the cross. So thank you for what you've taught us. Lead and guide us as we go into the next service that you might continue to teach us what you have us to know, that we might feast on your word, which is more significant than food. For we ask in Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening.